Hello, Horror Nights in Podcast family, and welcome to my podcast. My name is Crystal, and I am the host of this podcast where I talk about horror movies, the good, the bad, the old, the new. I will be uploading a new episode of this podcast every Monday, and we are going back to the basics, reviewing horror movies, because that is what started this whole thing, and that is what makes me the happiest. So let's get into the episode. Okay, so as I mentioned in last week's episode, I decided for the month of October, I'm going to be exploring some of my favorite horror classic iconic horror films. I'm going to be breaking them down and talk about some moments that I feel don't always have the limelight within the particular franchise. I've always loved watching a horror film and doing research on it, like fan theories, reviews, all of it. Last week we did Nightmare on Elm Street, and as you can tell from the title, I'm going to be exploring the Halloween franchise, and what better time to do so when we just got Halloween kills over the weekend. Yes, I did see it. Yes, I'm going to talk about the first bit on this podcast discussing some details of the film, so if you haven't seen it yet, definitely skip ahead to timestamp 5 minutes and 6 seconds. Alright, so if you guys follow me on Instagram, you probably know I already went a little off the rails on my Instagram story from 1 to 3 a.m. on the early Friday morning of the 15th when Peacock dropped the new Halloween Kills film. So overall, I liked it because it was another chapter in the world of Halloween and Michael Myers. And as a horror fan, I like seeing how characters we've watched for many, many years develop and who they are now versus who they were, especially characters like Sidney Prescott and, in this case, Laurie Strode. So Halloween Kills picks up right where we left off in 2018 with our characters, but we did get a glimpse into Halloween night in 1978. We revisit that infamous night with Officer Hawkins as well as the other sheriffs and how Michael could have been stopped that night. We also have the return of previous characters like Maureen, Tommy Doyle, and Lindsay. This was neat because it did connect the old with the new. I liked that they made Doyle's character a little campy too with his one-liners and that's like what we've seen a lot in the 80s and 90s horror flicks. Very much you can put this on a t-shirt kind of thing. So the kills lined up right with Halloween 2018 with their gory almost like how did he do that so quickly and also how did he think of using that thing as a weapon but alas evil is evil. I definitely saw the themes that Halloween Kills portrayed like mob mentality, follow the leader, and how evil is found in this town of Haddonfield, but how it also evil can be found in each other. Tommy Doyle along with his trusty bat led this mob to seek out Michael and to end the evil. It also does do a nod to how people deal with trauma. So after the events transpire of Michael making his way back to his home and killing anyone who gets in his way, we get a monologue from Lori herself, who at this point hasn't really had much screen time considering she was injured in the last film. 
and spent most of her time at the hospital during Halloween Kills. She speaks on the spirit of Michael Myers and how his twisted supernatural ability to never die. Even after the mob, a very well-armed mob beats him to the ground and Karen stabs him deep in the back. One thing that I will say is I think there was a lot going on in the film overall. I feel like they had a lot of shots and scenes, but they cut a lot of them up and made them shorter to fit into their time frame. But as a horror fan, I would have gladly sat through another half hour to see a little bit more. I understand the reasoning behind this middle film. It is kind of a buffer and it is setting up for the next film, Halloween Ends. It's in the name that this film will most likely be the last film that Curtis is involved in when she finally ends her brother, not brother. She will find out her daughter is dead and then go after Michael again. All right, so now that I have kind of done a little bit of spoilers, we're going to go back. We are going to go all the way back to 1978 when Michael Myers and his bloody masquerade began. It was a dark, cold Halloween night when little Michael Myers killed his sister, Judith Myers, and is placed in a sanitarium. And 15 years later, he escapes to stalk and kill the people of Haddonfield, Illinois. It was, of course, written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, and it was directed by Carpenter. We also know that Halloween was originally supposed to be called the Babysitter Murders, and Michael does kill Annie and attempted to kill Lori, who were both babysitters. But as the story evolved, we know it became much more than that. You guys know if you've listened to my other episodes, I love a good intertwined family drama when it comes to my horror films, but I will argue both sides in this episode of Lori being Michael's sister, who was given up for adoption, and how the new sequels completely discredit that storyline. So, with the Halloween franchise, we have a lot of films, a lot of characters, a lot of sequels, and a lot of remakes. As I did with Scream and Nightmare on Elm Street, we gotta chat a little bit about each one. The first film, iconic. Audiences were introduced to the scary, menacing thing that is killing teenagers. He is wielding a huge butcher knife. He has a white mask on and is wearing a jumpsuit and black ass-kicking boots. Before this, audiences hadn't really seen something like this to hit theaters. Of course, there were horror films before this, but this, my friends, Michael Myers, was something different. With the success of the first one, another one was put into work, and in 1981, we got Halloween 2. And this is where we meet back up with Michael finding Lori at the local hospital, killing anyone and everyone who came in between them. This is where we find out that Lori and Michael were siblings. As in the first one, Dr. Sam Loomis is right there helping Lori escape her deadly brother. Then, one year later, we got Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, which doesn't have Michael Myers in it at all, but centers on witchcraft, Halloween masks, and a commercial airing on Halloween night. 
The reason Michael does not appear in this film is because Carpenter and Hill wanted the threequel to be an original story with no appearance from Michael Myers, who was presumed dead following the fiery climax of the sequel. Then in 1988, we got Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. We find out that Michael was in a comatose state for 10 years since Halloween 2. When he is being transferred back to Smith's Grove, Michael awakens upon hearing that Laurie Strode, who died in a car accident, has a daughter who she named Jamie Lloyd. Michael decides it is now his life plan to kill his niece, who is in Haddonfield. But he is stopped by police and, of course, Dr. Loomis again, and Michael is shot several times and falls down a mine shaft. Moving on to Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, we find out that he has survived those gunshots and fall, and a hermit bandages him up and he continues his journey to find his niece. So now Michael has some kind of psychic connection to his niece and tracks her down, but Dr. Loomis says, no way, sir, and captures him using Jamie as bait. But then some mysterious stranger breaks him out of jail. In the next Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, this is where we learn about the curse of Thorn. And this curse forces a person to kill their entire family to save civilization. This is also where we meet Tommy Doyle, who was a young boy Laurie Strode babysat in the first film. The film then ends ambiguously, and the fate of Dr. Loomis and Michael is unknown. Okay, so next is Halloween H2O 20 years later in 1998, which is 20 years after the events of the first two films, and the story sets up that Michael has been missing since 1978, and Lori has faked her own death so that she could go into hiding. She has changed her name and has also used alcohol as a dependent to fend off the fear of her brother. This is probably one of my favorite Halloweens because I watched it over and over and over again when I was younger, so it brings the nostalgia that I love. I also have always been a fan of Josh Hartnett and Michelle Williams, and I did like the kills that this film had. Okay, so moving on to the mess of Halloween Resurrection. I get it, and I didn't hate it because, as I said, I am a fan of horror that brings in the technology of its film and also adds chapters to the characters that we love. So this film centers on a group of teenagers watching an internet reality show, and we also get appearances from Busta Rhymes and Tyra Banks, and of course, Michael survives this film as well. Don't want to spend too much time on that one because we have lots more to cover. So moving on to Rob Zombie's version of events. We find out very early on that Lori and Michael are siblings, but Michael is already troubled as he kills his school bully his sister, her sister's boyfriend, and his mother's boyfriend. If you have been listening to my podcast since the beginning, maybe I've watched a couple of my YouTube um, videos, you know that I am quite the Rob Zombie fan. 
So I have to say that I did enjoy his version of events. I thought they were very scary. But anyway, I digress. Let's continue. Michael is committed and his mother commits suicide out of guilt. And 15 years later, Michael escapes and heads back home to find his sister. He kills anyone who gets in his way and attempts to explain to his sister, Lori, who he is. This is probably the only time we see the character of Michael show some kind of emotion other than pure evil. I know that there might have been some other off chances we've seen it in the past, but I think this was the first time that we see Michael have some kind of human emotion. So then we get the next film from Rob Zombie, Halloween 2, and Michael and Lori have some kind of connection and are both experiencing visions of their dead mother. The final scene suggests that she has, Lori has taken on her brother's psychosis and as she dons his mask and is committed to an asylum, hallucinating her mother walking with a white horse. Now, yes, zombies films were a bit out there, but as I keep saying, I enjoy seeing developments on the iconic horror icons we have loved for so long. And now we have come full circle right up to Halloween 2018. In this film, it is completely disregarded that Lori and Michael were ever siblings. I really enjoyed this film a lot and it breathed life into the Halloween tale. It also gave us a thought that Michael is nothing but pure, pure evil. The only connection he has to this town is his roots and the murder of his sister. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I am pretty sure it's never mentioned that he returns back to kill Lori in the 2018 version she just knows that he is going to return in some way, shape, or form. No pun intended there. Of course, we know that Laurie traps Michael in the burning basement in the credits roll. Okay, so now I want to talk about Michael Myers himself. He has no soul, and according to Halloween Kills, he is a six-year-old in a man's body with inhumane strength. His character has been through a lot over the last 43 years. He has slain countless people, endured stabbings, beatings, shootings, fire, mine shafts, bullets, electrocution. I mean, this man is beat up. And we got an insight as to why he continues to survive in Halloween Kills. So this is not a spoiler, but Lori uses the word transcends, which means to be or go beyond the range or limits, which does make total sense. So my theory is that every time Michael kills someone, it gives him more of this power to never die. Considering his body count by this time, even forgetting the in-between films, the body count is really high. And at this point, he is way up in his transcending. So what happens next? Filming for Halloween Ends will begin in January and it is meant to serve as the end of this new trilogy and the conclusion to the franchise that started in 1978. Okay, so first, what will be the fate of Laurie and Allison? 
Will they band together to fight Michael or will they turn against each other and leave Haddonfield behind? And how the hell are they going to defeat Michael if he now is some kind of super dark force? Also, who else is Michael going to kill since he pretty much wiped out one third of the town? Will Lori be the one to finally take him down once and for all? Will she also die again to save the worlds from the dreaded Michael Myers? So as I was gathering my notes for this episode, apparently the script for Halloween Ends did leak. I did not do any further research because I do not want to spoil it for me or for you, but I am wondering if they will tie in the Curse of Thorn or connection between Michael and Laurie. Personally, I do not think they will do much with like a sibling bond again because it was already mentioned that they have no relation. And as I mentioned, this gives Michael a scarier and eviler edge because he kills with almost no purpose. There is also something interesting to be said about Halloween, the holiday, the day itself. From all tales of Halloween, we know that the veil between us and the spirit world is very thin on this day. So is this where Michael finds some of his power? Does he need to be killed when the clock strikes midnight on Halloween? This seems a little weak to me, but I guess it could explain some things. But we also have to assume that those nights that Michael comes back, it's probably after midnight when he is starting to get approached by Lori or a mob and things like that. I know that in the fall, it does get darker much earlier, but as I said, this theory seems a little weak to me. Director David Gordon Green has said that there will be a time jump. So Halloween Ends will take place a few years after Halloween Kills. He said, and I quote, It allows us to imagine what these characters' lives have been like after having processed the events over a few years. End quote. I just, I would like to see Lori's story end with some kind of peace with what's left of her family. I don't want to see her have to take Michael down and also her lose her life as well. But I guess it could be some symbol or symbolic in some way that the one cannot live without the other. It's a little bit too Harry Potter for me, but this film is based on PTSD and grief and I just, I just would like to see Laurie Strode in this trilogy have some kind of balance, peace, quiet, and just live the rest of her life knowing that Michael Myers will never come back, at least in her story. So let me know what you guys think about all of this. And I definitely do recommend checking out Halloween Kills at your local movie theater or on Peacock or both, which is what I did. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for my next episode. New episodes drop every single Monday and thank you so much for being here. Also stay tuned for another Whisper Down the Alley story where every Friday night in October... 
I share spooky stories with you to get you in the mood for all things scary and unnerving. Also, be sure to check out my YouTube channel where I talk about spooky and strange things all over the internet. And you can follow me on my social medias if you want to. And remember to stay safe and stay spooky. And I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.